One of my favorite memories of my grandfather is picturing him sitting in his chair reading his Bible. And it's a memory that was just etched into my heart. My grandfather passed away 20 years ago, but, um, but it was just a, a memory that has stuck with me for so long and was so formative to me uh, when I was younger. When I was about 10 years old, we moved into a, a home. My parents bought a house that was big enough to accommodate um, my mom's parents so they could live with us. And so I had a lot of opportunity to interact with, with my grandpa and grandma. And I just love that image of him sitting in his chair with his lamp on, just reading God's word. And, and in particular, that, that image took on new meaning for me and, and, and became even more impactful for me when I got a little bit older. And I was old enough to, to be, when I was in college, and I, I had come back to visit, and I was out with some friends and, and came home late one night and, uh, and saw him sitting down. It was like, I don't know, two in the morning or so. It was, it was late. Uh, but I was older. It was okay. Um, and, and I came home at like two in the morning, and there he is sitting up and reading God's word in his chair. And he just loved to do that. He loved to find comfort in the word. He loved to find encouragement. He loved to hear God's words to him, that he was a beloved son of God. And I just, I, I, I just as we were preparing for this week and, and talking about scripture and how the early church read scripture, that is an image that kept coming to me over and over again. It was my grandfather sitting in his chair, reading his Bible. And I wonder who it was who taught you to value God's word. Who was it that taught you that there is life and there is power in this book? Maybe it was a confirmation mentor. Maybe it was a pastor. Maybe it was somebody that you went to church with when you were younger. Maybe it was a family member. Whoever it is, I invite you to hold them in your memory right now and give God thanks for them. This morning, we are going to continue in our sermon series about reimagining church. And our focus this morning is on God's word, on scripture. And we're going to take a look at a couple of passages that I I just couldn't get out of my head all week as I was thinking about this message. Um, And we're going to we're going to be all over. So if you have a Bible, I encourage you to get it out. If it's on your phone, if if you have a a written copy, whatever it is, um, have it handy because we'll have some of the words on the screen, but not all of them. Um, And so I just invite you to get your Bible and and bring it near you uh, as we get ready to delve into scripture. We're going to start with a prayer that comes right out of scripture from Psalm 19. And so will you pray with me this morning? May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing to you, Lord God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So as I was thinking and praying through the scripture for this week, there were a couple of passages that I just could not get out of my mind and a couple of phrases that just stuck with me. And one of them, the first one, and so I'm going to just read the the two scriptures that we'll kind of use as our foundation this morning, and then we're going to go back and kind of step through in a little bit more detail. Um, The first one comes from the book of Hebrews, chapter 4, verse 12. Hebrews, chapter 4, verse 12, says this. For the word of God is alive and active. 
sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give account. The second passage that, uh, in the phrase from, from that passage, the word of God is alive and active. I invite you to hold that in your heart as we, as we read the rest of scripture this morning. Uh, but that was the phrase that kept coming back to me. Uh, the other scripture was, comes from uh, 2 Timothy, Paul's letter to Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. It says this, All scripture is God-breathed. And is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. So that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Friends, this is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. So again, this week, as I was kind of thinking through and, and praying over the, what scripture to preach from and, and how, to, how to approach the topic of, of scripture in uh, the early church, these two phrases just could not get out of my head. I, the word of God is living and active. It's alive and active. And that all of scripture is God-breathed and useful. And so those are, that's where we're going to focus our time this morning. Uh, but we'll start back in, in Hebrews chapter 4. Uh, the word of God is living and active. And I just want to ask the question, how do you approach Scripture? How do you read Scripture? When you pick up the Bible to read it, or when you pull it up on your phone, what are you expecting to hear? I think it's important to, to think about that just a little bit, because the context for the early church, the way that they heard Scripture, the way that they approached God's Word, was a lot different from how we did. How we do, rather. Like, I, they didn't have the Bible that they could hold in their hands. Most, most folks didn't anyway. There were, of course, parchments and scrolls that contained God's word, but those were reserved for the priests and those who led the religious communities. It wasn't like just anybody could have a copy of scripture in their house. Those were precious fragments that were reserved only for those who led worship in God's community. And so it wasn't even until really until the 1500s, until the Reformation, when the printing press came along and it became much easier to distribute printed material that people even had an opportunity. And then, of course, along with the, the printing press came the Reformation, which said, hey, you know what? We should allow people to read the Bible for themselves. And that was a big deal. That was a really big deal because you used to have to go to church. You used to have to go to synagogue. You used to have to, to listen to a religious leader talk about scripture or you couldn't have it in your house. But what they would do is they would memorize it. They would memorize large portions of scripture. As a young person in the Jewish community around Jesus's time, you would have grown up hearing the stories of God and God's people. So even if you didn't have it, even if you didn't, you couldn't pull it up on your phone, you still had the ability to hear God's word, but it was passed on to you from somebody else. And they would memorize entire passages. Uh, young Jewish men would, would have to memorize the entire Torah 
The whole, like Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, all of those books of the Bible, especially if you were, as, as a young Jew in Jesus' day, if you were a part of the religious, you were a part of the religious community, you would have to memorize the Torah. Can you imagine? There's 50, what, 50 chapters in Genesis? How many laws, 600 and some laws in, in the book of Leviticus? Uh, there's a lot of stuff in there. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. That's like, like this much. That's a lot of scripture to memorize. But that's how you were able to hear and understand God's word. You would spend time memorizing it. You would spend time learning it in the community and telling stories. And, and, and that's the thing, I guess, that, that I want to communicate. In the memorization, I grew up memorizing scripture as well. Maybe some of you did too. Um, and I'm so thankful for that, for that foundation that I can draw from, from time to time when I'm feeling whatever. Uh, happy and excited and I want to proclaim praise the Lord. I, I have scriptures that I can remember that, that help me to do that. Um, when I'm feeling frustrated and, and annoyed, I can, I can pray. How long, oh God? And so I did memorize parts of scripture, but they memorized entire chunks of scripture, entire books of scripture. So that's one of the differences um, between the early church and, and us today. Um, but when they did that, they were able to memorize partly because about a third of the Bible is poetry. And so again, we have to kind of ask the question, so what is it that we understand Scripture to be when we come to read this book? What is it? Is it just verses that we can, that we can, um, that, that give us a, a, a roadmap to life and whatever it says? The Bible says it, I believe it, that settles it. Um, is it. Is it something to win an argument? No, that's not the way that the early church approached Scripture. The early church understood that Scripture was God's revelation to God's people. It was a story of relationship. It was dynamic. It was, as we read in Hebrews, it was alive and active. And that's the thing about a holy text. That text, as you read it, it reads you. And that's what the, that's what the author means when we read that scripture is alive and active. It penetrates to the heart The words in this book are God's words for us. And and again, I I just think it's so important to to realize that it's not just a static thing. It's not just black and white print on a page. It is living and active, the word of God for us, for God's people. It's a story. It's a mystery. And God invites us into it to experience it, to participate, to meet with God through this word. I think some of that gets lost in, in, in some of the ways that we read the Bible today because it's so accessible. It's so easy. We have it in our pockets. We can pull it up anytime. Uh, but remember, it is alive and active. And this is the way that God's people from the beginning of time heard God's voice. In that scripture in Hebrews, uh, Hebrews chapter 4 Verse 12, the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. Again, that phrase alive and active is the one that stuck with me all week, and I just couldn't get it out of my mind. Uh, But when I went back and I read for a little bit more context about where that came from, um, it's interesting. You hear uh, through Hebrews chapter 3 and chapter 4, there's this focus on hearing God's word and obeying it. Hearing God's word 
and obeying it. And there's a section in the middle there of chapter 3 that goes back and actually references Psalm 95. And you can go back and read that um, on your own time. But it talks about the fact that uh, we have an opportunity to hear God's voice. And God gives us a warning in this scripture from both Psalm 95 and from Hebrews uh, chapter 3 and 4. It says this, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. If you hear God's voice, do not harden your hearts. Now, I don't know where you are today, where you find yourself in the midst of life circumstances, but I imagine, and I know for myself personally, it would be easy to ask questions like, where is God in all of this? What in the world is going on right now? It might be easy to allow your hearts to become hardened about God's presence, about God's activity, about God's promises to the world. When you just look around or when you watch the news or when you interact on social media, God warns us today or just invites us to not harden your hearts. I had a bit of a... um, I had a challenging week. Uh, I'll just be honest. I had a challenging week. It was one of those weeks where things were just not clicking. It just wasn't, things weren't lining up. Things weren't working the way they were supposed to, or at least the way I had imagined they they would work. Um, And I found it ironic in the middle of all that, that the message I was preparing to preach was, hey, go to God's word because there you will hear what God says to you. And so in the midst of my sort of struggle and just wondering what in the world is God doing in the world, in my life, in, in the church, in, in, in scripture, what can I hear from God? I did what I'm preaching to you right now, which is open God's word. I decided to spend some time uh, in the Psalms. And so I, I just love the Psalms. They are the prayer book of the Bible. They were the prayers of the Jewish people. They were what the order of worship looked like in Jesus's day. It was the Psalms. And the Psalms are expressing the full range of human experience from joy uh, to grief, to sadness, to uh, excitement, to frustration. The whole thing is in the Psalms and it's in those prayers that we can find words sometimes when we don't have the words to pray. And so as I was, as I was feeling my heart just not in a good place, I decided to go to the Psalms and, and start reading. And so I read from Psalm 130 that starts out, Out of the depths I cry to you, O Lord. Out of the depths I cry to you. It's somebody who's just asking for God to be present, for God to show what God is up to in the world. I read from Psalm 13 that says, How long, O Lord, will you ignore me forever? It actually says in there, answer me. These are bold words that the psalmist prays, but it shows us that it's okay to be real with God. No matter how we're feeling, God is big enough to handle our words and our prayers. And if we can't find the words ourselves, go to the Psalms. I was led through that, that exploration of Psalms to go to Psalm 139. Um, That was one of the next ones. As I was reading these Psalms about where are you, God? What are you doing? How long, O Lord? God prompted me to read Psalm 139, which says in part, Lord, you have searched me and you know me. You are familiar with all of my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you know it completely, O Lord. 
talks about how God knows each of us intimately. All the days of our life were written in the book before we even, in God's book before we even existed. And again, what a comfort that was in that moment. And as I was reading, as I was reminding myself of who God is and who God says that I am in him, uh, my daughter, Emma, who's nine years old, came downstairs and, and she saw me and she said, hey, what are you doing? And, uh, and I said, well, I'm, I'm reading the Bible. I'm, I'm reading scripture. And she goes, well, can I read it? Yeah, absolutely. Come on, sit down. Let's read. And so we sat down together and we looked through some of those verses in Psalm 139 and talked about how God knows each of us so intimately. And then we went to Psalm 23 and she actually, you know, she went, I don't have hers with me, but she went and she grabbed her Bible. We passed out Bibles last week to to third graders. Um, Emma's a fourth grader, so she received hers last week. If you haven't gotten yours or you know a third grader who would love a Bible, um, please call the church. We've got one for them so they can have their very own copy of God's word for themselves. Um, and so Emma was all excited. She ran upstairs and she grabbed her Bible and she came back down and, and, and we spent some time in, in Psalm 23 and we talked about what it means for God to be our shepherd. And we talked about what it means that we don't need to lack anything because God is with us even in the dark times, even in the times where we might not know what God is up to. God's word promises that God is with us. And I told, I shared that story about, about reading God's word with Emma. I shared the story about watching my grandfather read God's word. And I told her that he used to do that. He used to get up in the middle of the night. If he couldn't fall asleep, he would pull out his Bible and he would just read and be present with God. And she said, well, if, if sometime, if I can't sleep, can I, can I turn on my light and can I read my Bible? I said, absolutely you can. And what a blessing that was. And again, just to, just to be reminded not only of my grandfather, but me being able to pass that to my daughter. Um, and, and just the reminder that in the Psalms, God promises that God is with us no matter what. God is with us. Do not harden your hearts. Scripture is living and active able to pierce our hearts and remind us who we are and who God is. That's the power of God's word for us. I want to take a look at the second Timothy passage again, second uh, Timothy chapter three, verse 16, all scripture, second Timothy chapter three, verse 16, all scripture is God breathed. And is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. So that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Now, a little bit of context um, for this letter. I, I kind of did the same thing. I had these, these phrases in my mind, alive and active. Um, and and, and, and uh, all scripture is God-breathed. And useful, and, and so then I had to go back and, and remember what was the context that this was written in. And so this is the letter that Paul wrote to Timothy, the second letter, as it were. Timothy was uh, part of the church in Ephesus, and there were some issues in the Ephesian church. You can read about it in Paul's letter to Ephesians. Um, but he's also, Paul is also writing to Timothy, this young uh, church leader, to encourage him. And to give him hope and to remind him not to give up proclaiming the gospel, not to give up proclaiming the message of God's word. 
And so he writes to him. And so I'm just going to back up a little bit here and, and see if any of this resonates with you. Um, he writes to him about some people who were offering some other ways of living, some false teachers in the Ephesian church. And so here, listen to this. This is from Second uh, Timothy chapter 2. Verse 14, this won't be on your screen, but here's a chance for you to hear the word just like they did back when this word was written, right? It wasn't on the screen back then. Here, check this out. Second Timothy chapter two, uh, verse 14, Paul says to Timothy, keep reminding God's people of these things. Warn them before God against quarreling about words. It is of no value and only ruins those who listen. Verse 16, avoid godless chatter. Because those who indulge in it will become more and more ungodly. Verse 22. Flee the evil desires of youth and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace. Along with those who can call on the Lord with a pure heart. Don't have anything to do with foolish and stupid arguments. Because you know that they produce quarrels. And the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but must be kind to everyone, able to teach, not resentful. Opponents must be gently instructed in the hope that God will grant them repentance, leading them to a knowledge of the truth, and that they will come to their senses and escape from the trap of the devil who has taken them captive to do his will. Friends, the word of God is living and active, able to pierce our hearts with God's truth. And I wonder, as you heard these words this morning, did anything pierce your heart? What is God's word saying to you this morning? I I read this and I just um, had to check myself. (laughs) Um. Looking at the way that we interact with one another in the world, particularly on social media, who knew that Paul could write about Facebook 2,000 years before it came out, right? But that's what he's saying, right? Watch out how you quarrel. Don't quarrel with each other. It only ruins those who listen. Avoid godless chatter because you'll just become more ungodly. Flee Flee the evil desires of your youth and pursue righteousness, faith, and love. I love this. (laughs) Don't have anything to do with foolish and stupid arguments. Did you know the Bible says stupid? It's right there. 2 Timothy 2, (laughs) verse 23. Don't have anything to do with foolish and stupid arguments because you know they produce quarrels. Instead, be gentle with one another. Oh man, what a great reminder for us today, especially how many, 20 some days, how many days are we away from the election? Um, What a great reminder for us. Word of God is living and active. It reads us as we read it. It speaks to us. Do not harden your hearts, but listen. All of scripture is God-breathed and useful. So again, Paul is writing to Timothy to encourage him to not give up hope, to keep proclaiming the good news. I want to read you just a little bit more about about the environment that Timothy was in and that Paul was in when he wrote this letter. This is the beginning of chapter 3. See if this resonates with you. Mark this. There will be terrible times in the last days. 
People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power. Ooh, having a form of godliness but denying its power. Have nothing to do with such people, Paul says. Mm. The word is alive and active, piercing our hearts. And Paul writes this to Timothy to remind him, don't let your heart be hardened. Tell the people of Ephesus, don't let their hearts be hardened. When you look around and you feel discouraged and you feel frustrated that people aren't treating each other better, when you look around and you see people who are lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient, ungrateful, unholy, without love, slanderous, without self-control. He says, 2 Timothy 3, verse 5, have nothing to do with these people. We get to choose where we invest our time and our energy and what we allow to capture our attention. We get to choose. And so if Paul is begging us here, if you are seeing people who are acting this way, don't engage. Don't bother. Don't let that steal your energy. Don't let that harden your heart. Don't let that help you. Don't let that make you forget who you are called to be, who God's word says that you are. Beloved, you are called to, 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 what, to the way of life that Paul preaches and proclaims. And he says more about that in verse 10. So this is 2 Timothy 3, verse 10. You, however, know all about my teaching, my way of life, my purpose, faith, patience, love, endurance. And then he says something else. He says, persecutions, sufferings. What kinds of things happened to me in Antioch, in Iconium, and Lystra, the persecutions I endured, yet the Lord rescued me from all of them. And so Paul is urging Timothy, hey, don't get caught up in all the noise around you. Don't get caught up in that stuff. Focus on the way of life that Jesus has shown us. Purpose, faith, patience, love, endurance. But realize that what you're caught up with is part of being in the world. All right, all these ungodly and these, these, these terrible ways of treating one another and acting in the world. This is all part of being in the world. He says, in fact, he says this, verse 12. In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Ouch. While evildoers and imposters will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. And again, here we come to the point where Paul is reminding Timothy and reminding us. But as far as you continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of, because you know those from whom you learned it. 
And how from infancy you have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All of scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. So that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Remember who you are. And remember what you have learned from this word. In the beginning of this letter, Paul commends uh, Timothy for his grandmother and his mother who taught him what was in God's word. Again, give God thanks for the people who taught you what it says in this God-breathed, living, active word. And don't let your hearts be hardened by what you see around you. Don't forget God's goodness. I'm going to go to one more place um, as I wrap up here. Talking about hearts. And I'm going to go back to... I'm going to go back to a passage I I read a little bit from um, a couple weeks ago when we looked at the Lord's Supper and we looked at Jesus's presence with us. This is from Luke chapter 24. And and just to set this up, I know some of you are familiar with the scripture. It's the story of the the walk to Emmaus and Jesus's disciples um, who had just gone through a horrific three days of watching Jesus be crucified and, and, and died and buried. And two of the disciples are walking with each other, and Jesus comes up with them as they're walking back home toward the end of the day. And, and Jesus walks with them, and, and they don't know that it's Jesus. They're kept from recognizing him. And Jesus says, hey, what are you, what are you talking about? And, uh, and they said, where have you been? <laughs> Do you not know what's happened here these last few days with Jesus, who, uh, who are religious leaders crucified and, and killed? We had hoped that he was going to be the Savior. We had hoped that he was the one that God would send to redeem Israel. And what's more, we're confused because some women came this morning who had been to his tomb and told us that he wasn't there. And they saw angels. You said he is risen. We're not quite sure what to do with all that. And Jesus, patient as always, just listens to them. And then he says this, how foolish, this is Luke chapter 24, verse 25. How foolish you are and how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And here's the the verse I really want you to hear. Verse 27. And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, Jesus explained to them what was said in the scriptures, in all the scriptures concerning himself. Jesus said, haven't you read my book? (laughs) Haven't you heard what was written about me from the beginning of time? And and again, this is one of the differences between the early church and, and us. It's one of the emphases that the early church had in reading God's word that is so important for us today. They read that word and they recognized the word made flesh Not just starting in John chapter 1, right, where where it says the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. But no, from John chapter 1, that refers all the way back to the beginning. In the beginning, 
That's where Jesus was present. That's where the word existed. And that's what brought this word into being for us to hear and to know the stories of God's love for God's people. So when the early church preached, they preached Christ. Christ in all, Christ through all, Christ with all, Christ around all, and Christ with us. From the very beginning of Genesis through the end of Revelation, it's all about the Word made flesh. And I love this line. So after, after Jesus spends time with them, uh, the disciples, they, they go in and, and they invite him to come in and have a meal. And he breaks bread with them and they recognize who he is in the breaking of the bread. They recognize that Jesus is with them and present with them. And, and then Jesus disappears. And they say, did not our hearts burn within us while he talked and walked with us and opened the scriptures for us? Friends, this is how we are to approach the word of God, opening it, looking for the revelation of Christ, the word made flesh, looking for our hearts to be opened, looking for them to be to be pierced by this living and active word of God that says, don't let your hearts be hardened. Rather, let your hearts burn because of the love of God of God from the beginning of time through the end of time when time is no more. That's what we hear when we open God's word. That's what we are reminded of today and always. The message that the word of God made flesh, Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, loves us dearly and meets with us in his word. That is the message of salvation. Our hearts on fire as Jesus. And so this is is what I want you to imagine, okay? The next time you read the Bible, be careful. There's fire in this thing, all right? We sang it earlier, right? I set my heart on fire. We sang it as we, as we were worshiping God. You can find that throughout the Psalms, throughout all of Scripture. Your heart, I, this is what I want you to imagine, okay? The next time you sit down, realize this is a book of fire. This is a book that can light your heart on fire. This is a book that when you open it and when you read it, Jesus reads it with you. Jesus proclaims that message of love and grace and forgiveness and making all things new every time you open this book. All of Scripture is God-breathed, and all of it useful for teaching and for training in righteousness. And so, friends, don't approach your Bible as this checklist of things you need to read. Oh, i got to spend time with God today. No, no. Get excited because God wants to spend time with you. God wants to set your heart on fire. And so the next time you open your Bible or you pull it up on your phone, whatever you do, imagine Jesus, the living Lord of all creation, sitting with you, reading and explaining Scripture to you, the living and active Word of God with you now and always. May you experience that and may your hearts be set on fire with Jesus and for Jesus. Amen.